Ahab is not listening. He's totally given over. His wife is encouraging him. And now he's got no spine, no backbone to stand up and say, Nope, this is not right. I'm sorry, Jezebel. No, he goes along with it and continues. So finally, when a, when a conscience is seared and when somebody is not listening and they're not watching and they're not hearing, God will send somebody and he sends Elijah. And we see the beginning of his ministry here in chapter 17. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. At this crucial time in the history of Judah and Israel, the prophet Elijah suddenly appeared. He became the dominant spiritual force in Israel during the dark days of Ahab's apostasy. The name Elijah means Yahweh is my God. In the days when Ahab's government officially supported the worship of Baal and other gods, even the name of this prophet told the truth. It was a crucial time in the history of Israel. It looked as if the worship of the true God might be completely eliminated in the northern kingdom. But God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 17 in the book of 1 Kings. Let's open our Bibles to uh, 1 Kings. And we're going to look at chapter 17 tonight, but we're going to back up just a hair to the last section of chapter 16, and there's a reason for that. Or at least there should be a reason for that. And there is, believe it or not, there is a reason for this. All right. Well, Father, we just come before you. We, don't, we want to thank you uh, for the Word of God, and thank you, Lord, how you instruct us in it. And Lord, open this passage to us, Lord, as we just uh, consider the life of uh, Elijah, his beginnings, and certainly the, the things that were going on in Israel at the time, Lord, how it's challenging, Lord, because there's many um, parallels, I think, in our own country uh, with what was happening in Israel. And so, Lord, open our hearts and, and just speak to us, Lord. Uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, before we get into chapter 17, I just want to review and, and read uh, verses 29 through the end of the chapter of chapter 16, because in this section here, we're going to see the, the, why the Lord, uh, at least the beginnings of why God sent Elijah to Ahab. Why did he send him to rebuke Ahab and the nation of Israel? And um, we're going to find out pretty quickly in this short passage at the end of chapter 16. And it's no surprise to us because we know that uh, Israel had been struggling with idolatry. Uh, the northern tribes and the southern tribe tribes, they, they all struggled with it. 
But there comes a time when God sends a prophet to Israel. When he sends a prophet to uh, any place in Israel or in Judah, it was often because they were not following the Lord. They weren't listening to God. And so therefore, he's got to send someone to speak to them. Have you ever experienced that where sometimes if your heart is closed off and maybe you're involved in something, and you're, you're, maybe you're even completely oblivious to it. There might be something that's been going on and, and you're exhibiting this thing and, and other people know that you're involved in, in whatever it is and, and you don't seem to really, you've kind of shut off. You're, maybe you're angry with God and you, you know, the ceiling is like brass, the heavens are like brass and your heart is just hardened. And there comes a point when God will send somebody else. If I'm not listening, he will send a friend. Maybe a, someone that I really trust in Christ. Maybe an older brother in Christ or an older sister in Christ. Or, um, and, and just to come in and to talk with you and encourage you. And hopefully not be the kind of Christian that beats you over the head. But one who comes lovingly. And sometimes that loving rebuke is what we need. Because I sometimes need that. Sometimes I need to be exposed. If, I, if my heart is not willing to listen then God, in his loving kindness, will make sure that I'm made aware of what's going on so that I have an opportunity to turn from that thing. And so when God sends a prophet to a town or sends a prophet to speak to a man or to a group of people, it's usually never a good thing. It usually means that judgment is coming. Not always, but most of the time. He's God is warning of impending judgment because of rebellion and idolatry. And Jeremiah the prophet is a good example of how the Lord would intervene to warn his people. And, and, and before we read this uh, passage in chapter 16, I just want to share with you something that is uh, in Jeremiah chapter 11. And I'm going to read to you just from verse 7 through 13. But it's the Lord speaking to Judah and those of Jerusalem And he's speaking to them because they have gotten to the point where they have been involved in gross idolatry and they weren't listening. They weren't listening. And notice the plea of God in verse 7. And this is really the plea that we're going to find in Elijah's heart as well. Because Jeremiah said, For I earnestly exhorted your fathers, and here is God speaking to Judah in Jerusalem, I have earnestly exhorted your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, until this day, notice, rising early and exhorting, saying, Obey my voice. For some reason, we just don't want to obey God's voice. We want to follow our own feelings, or we want to follow the narrative of the day, whatever it is. Wherever the, the mob mentality is, uh, people find comfort in the mob mentality, and very rarely is the mob correct. Most often, the mob is wrong. <laughs> and sometimes you can be caught up in a mob and not even know what's, what their beef is. Why are you guys all uptight? And sometimes they don't even know. They're just angry about something. Sometimes there's a a reason, a specific one. But notice what God goes on and says to prophet Jeremiah. Yet they did not, and he's speaking of Judah and Jerusalem again, yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his own evil heart. And therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant which I commanded them to do, but which they have not done. And the Lord said to me, a conspiracy has been found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They've turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words. And they have gone after other gods to serve them. 
The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord, and here's where the hammer drops. Behold, I will surely bring calamity on them, which they will not be able to escape. And though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. And then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they'll go and they will cry out to the gods to whom they offer incense, but they will not save them at all in the time of their trouble. For according to the number of your cities were your gods, O Judah. And according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem, you have set up altars to that shameful thing, meaning these, these images of Asherah, these wooden images and images of Baal and many other things. They've set up altars to that shameful thing, altars to burn incense to Baal. And we're going to see that God is going to be preparing Elijah for the, the fight of his life. Because now God's going to send a prophet to expose and come against all the idolatry in Israel, and specifically Ahab and Jezebel. You've heard about Ahab and Jezebel. And Jezebel, was uh, she was from the area up in Phoenicia, up in modern-day Lebanon. That's where she hailed from. And so that was her hometown. And she was completely engrossed on idolatry and led her husband so easily into it as well. And so now Elijah is going to be the one to come against not only them, but the whole nation that have given themselves over to this idolatry of Baal. In fact, they never ceased to do it, beginning from Jeroboam up until now. They've continued that same vein. And now, because God loves them, he's going to confront them. And he's going to challenge them. And don't you love that about God? See, if it were me, I would just say, is that really what you want? And the people would say, yes, that's what we want. We don't want you, God. We want a God that feels good to us. We want a Jesus that makes us feel comfortable. We want a Jesus that allows us to continue in our homosexual um, relationships. We want a God, we want a Jesus that allows us and supports our Uh, extramarital affairs. We want a a Jesus that supports all of our pronouns and all all of our messed up head stuff. And God says, and if it were me, I would say, okay, have at it. And I probably would never turn back. I just let you go off into the ditch. But such is the heart of God. He is not that way. Aren't you glad? Because we're sinful flesh, because we're born with a sin nature, God doesn't allow us to go easily. You're going to have to trip over him to get to hell. (laughs) And he will intervene at different times in your life. And he did that in my life as an unbeliever. He intervened so many times, and I'm so glad that he did, because one of those times I finally gave it up. I finally said, okay, Lord, I surrender. And he softened my heart so much so that I, I, I realized what I was doing was wrong. And, he, and I just came into agreement with him and became saved. So let's look at now verse 29 in chapter 16 down through the end of chapter 16. And this will give us an idea of why God is sending Elijah. So notice what it says. It says, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. Remember, we've got two different nations really happening 
And so the Bible tells us who's ruling in the, in the northern part and who's, who's reigning in the southern part. And oftentimes there's deaths and, and then somebody else takes over. And so what we're seeing here is a history of these kings and it staggers quite a bit. So in the 38th year of King Asa of Judah in the south, Ahab, the son of Amri, became king over Israel. And notice Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 22 years. And what an amazing thing that God would allow this evil man to continue for 22 years. I've never understood that. But God is infinite in his wisdom. And sometimes he allows the the godly man to be his life to be shortened, and he allows the ungodly to prosper for several years. I don't, I don't get it, but I know that God is sovereign. I know that God is sovereign. And if you remember, it was Omri, Ahab's father. He was the one who bought the hill in Samaria, this, this mount of land in, in Samaria, and the owner of the hill was called Shemer. And so Omri Ahab's son, he bought that land and he named it after the original owner. Instead of calling it Shemer, he called it Samaria, which is very similar to the name of the original. And this became the capital of the northern ten tribes. And it was impregnable, just like Jerusalem. It, was, it had to be approached from all sides going up. And so it was very difficult to come against and very easy to defend. And so... Notice in verse 30, it says, Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ephbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. So really, it's business as usual for the northern ten tribes. They've learned to do this from their beginning, from Jeroboam. But now this woman, this Jezebel, who again was born up in the area of Sidon, modern-day Lebanon now, her father was Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and they were idol worshipers. And so she comes and she encourages Ahab to continue in this idolatry. And, and you know what? What I find interesting is... That even Solomon struggled with this. After David had passed away, Solomon himself, who was a wonderful king and probably was the golden age of Israel. There's never been a time like Solomon enjoyed in his 40 years of reign. But toward the latter part of his reign, he struggled with idolatry. Remember, it tells us in Kings... In this very book, in chapter 11, it says, Solomon clung to these in love. He, he went after all of these wives of these different nations that God had told him not to do. He was, he was supposed to just have one wife, but now he's got 700 wives and 300 concubines. And his wives, it tells us, turned his heart away because each one of them from these different nations all had their favorite gods. And so now he's got the international house of idolatry or the International House of Pancakes, or the International (laughs) House of Idolatry, right in his own Jerusalem. And he didn't turn from it. And and, um, the Lord rebuked him for it. But it can happen. Even to a king like Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest man on the earth. And yet even the wisest man on the earth, if he's not careful can be tripped up 
And that's just proves and goes to show you that we need to walk with Jesus moment by moment, day by day. We can't let our guard down because the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't need any new tricks. The old tricks work very well. And he's only got a couple. He's got a couple of them. And he uses them and they're so effective, especially against the natural man. The natural man is, is, is like a sitting duck to Satan's devices. But the spiritual man can fall too if he's not careful. The spiritual woman can fall if she's not careful. That's why Jesus said, abide in me. Abiding means staying with. We, we, we can't depart. We can't let a day go by. And so Solomon's heart was led away just like these other kings. And yet, what was the warning from the scripture for all the kings? And you've heard me quote this scripture so much, and it is a really important one. If you don't have this at least memorized, write down the, this phrase because you will find that you will, you'll come back to this often because it was the root problem. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18. It's, it's God's warning to his people. All of them, Judah and Jerusalem, everybody, all of Israel. But notice what he says, again, Deuteronomy 20, verse 16 through 18. And this is what he told them before they even came into the promised land. He said, but of the cities of these peoples, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them. Yes, God was going to use the Israelites as his hammer of judgment against those seven nations of Canaan because of their hundreds of years of idolatry. And finally, it had come to pass where God is like, enough is enough. I've given them a lot of rope. I've given them much space to repent. But they are not repenting. They're not turning from it. And because I care about them and I care about everyone who's watching, I have to judge them. And I'm going to use my own people to do it. And this is hard to hear, but notice he says, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And here's the reason why. It's not just because God is a bigot and he doesn't like other people. It's not just because God chose Israel and the Jews as his own special people and everybody else not so much. No, it has nothing to do with that. Here is the only reason God is doing this. Verse 18, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods, lowercase g, thank you very much. <laughs> and you sin against the Lord your God. That's what it was all about. He wanted to keep them pure. He wanted them to be a witness. After all, he gave them the very oracles of God. I mean, these are Jewish prophets. It's a Jewish book, most of it. So that's the reason why. And then now look in verse 32, back in our text here, in verse 16 of 1 Kings. Notice, so now uh, Ahab sets up an altar for Baal now in the temple of Baal. So he, Baal's got his own temple now which he had built in Samaria, and Ahab made a wooden image. And Ahab did more to provoke, notice this, put a star by this or underline it, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. <laughs> Amazing. Everyone who was before him, this guy did even more. So God was not very pleased with him. And so we're going to skip over verse 34 because it, it, we're going to go right on. So what does God do? 
God sends a prophet. Ahab is not listening. He's totally given over. His wife is encouraging him. And now he's got no spine, no backbone to stand up and say, no, this is not right. I'm sorry, Jezebel. No, he goes along with it and continues. So finally, when a, when a conscience is seared and when somebody's not listening and they're not watching and they're not hearing, God will send somebody and he sends Elijah. And we see the beginning of his ministry here in chapter 17. But before we get into this, um, there's some things we've got to understand about Elijah. Because Elijah and John the Baptist, their, their lives were somewhat intertwined by prophecy. And I think you'll know this before we get too, fur, too much further in here, because before John the Baptist's death, before John the Baptist was murdered by Herod Antipas, Jesus said the following concerning him. And it's recorded for us in Matthew 11. And uh, Jesus was speaking to a multitude concerning John the Baptist. And notice what he said, because we have to understand this uh, idea of Elijah and John the Baptist, because there's some really interesting parallels in their lives, biblically as well. But Jesus said, as they departed, and again, this was before John was um, murdered, martyred, and they departed, and Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? When you went out to John, what did you go to see? A reed shaken by the wind, but what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses, but what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, and here he's quoting from Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And that's who John the Baptist was. He was that messenger to prepare the way before Christ's ministry would begin. And assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, among those born among women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And here's the verse. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So is he really John the Baptist? One of the most notable, and I, I'm, I'm leaving you hanging there for a minute. One of the most notable prophets of the Old Testament is Elijah. And we see in the Mount of Transfiguration, remember in Matthew 17, now this event happens after John the Baptist is martyred. Because What I just read to you was in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 14 is when John the Baptist is killed. And now in Matthew 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up into the mountain. He's transfigured before them. And again, this happens after John the Baptist is dead. Remember that because it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and went up into a high mountain. He was transfigured before them. And we all know this. And remember, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, Uh, Peter gets really excited because he sees Moses and Elijah. Yes, Moses from the Old Testament and Elijah, the one we're talking about or getting ready to talk about now. And he's there talking with Jesus and his disciples are sleeping and they wake up and they see 
that he's talking to them, and they're all excited, and Peter, of course, is the one who says, let's, let's get three Coleman tents and build them right here, and let's all have you guys. And, and of course, he was wrong, putting the, those guys on the same level as Christ, which is not a good thing to do. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.